Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. You know, today it comes around once a year, Father's Day. <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't take it lightly. It's not just a casual Father's Day service because there's so much in, in, in this whole thing of our fathers. And, and for a lot of people, I know people that won't come to services on Father's Day because it's, it's hurtful to them. I think I got too much sun yesterday. I'm very emotional. <laughs> I was on a, a long bike ride yesterday. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your presence here, Father. But I realize that you know, many people have not had a good earthly experience with their dads, you know, and with the breakup in, of the family unit in society. You know, a lot of people are being alienated and brought up without the love and security of a father in the home and um, of a biological father. And so... I think that, you know, a lot of the things that we struggle with in society today can be traced back to the fact that there was a father that was missing, gone, um, absentee, went AWOL, if you want to use a military term or whatever, but they were, they were gone. And this um, kind of leaves them feeling orphaned, you know, and struggling to relate to people in their life, um, can't connect to their spouses very well, their children, those in any kind of authority, spiritual authority. And ultimately, they have a hard time loving and accepting themselves. Um, and um, prison statistics say that there's thousands upon thousands of men incarcerated that are violent and rebellious because their father was gone. They had a, they had a, they had a, a father wound and... Um, so, and because of all this, other earthly relationships suffer so much because these people find their, themselves driven to fulfill a need in their life and a need for affirmation. Um, and that's, that, that is a hole in someone's life that's too large for success to fill. It's too large for substance to fill. It's too large for... Um, pursuit of pleasure to fill, all of these things. Um, but there's only one thing that will break that orphan spirit, and that's for people to be filled or to know how great the Father's love is for them. That's the thing. Um, and when they understand how much their Father God loves them, they go on to become mature sons, and, and by the way, when I say sons, refer to sons this morning, I'm also referring to daughters. Mature sons in the faith, the Bible actually calls, the, the, the Greek word is huos, huos sons, which means mature sons and daughters. And so, they then go on to serve God, not out of a need for affirmation, but, you know, knowing that it's, it's just a grace. They're serving him out of his undeserved grace and they don't actually, because of what they understand the love of the Father, they're not trying to earn anything. 
They know that they have God's undeserved love anyway. So they're, we, we, we're happier. Amen. And so I believe that's one, one of the greatest curses that's on the earth today is an orphan spirit. And, um, you know, it takes spiritual parents with, with great spiritual depth and, and people that they will submit to and that the people that walk, you know, walk the walk, if you like, you know, the, I can imitate that person. I can follow that person. I can say, I, I will be a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. And um, because that's ordained of God for us to have these type of people in our lives on earth. A lot of people, well, I'll just get on fine between me and, me and my Father God. And, and that, but it's ordained for us to have people over us, especially fathers. And this is where I'm going this morning. And so when, when they have this, these people in their lives, they can break that curse of the orphan spirit and they can break that generational curse that they passes on and on and on. And those people, if you give place to the, the, peop, those, the right people in your life, it turns that around and you begin to walk in generational blessing. Amen? And so it's only when a person is healed of that fatherlessness. It's only when that happens, and that happens by the love of God, amen? That's the love of God that heals, is that orphan spirit broken, amen? So, you know, the word says that we're all waiting on, we're all waiting on these mature sons and daughters of God. If you go in your word to Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says there, all creation is, eagerly wait, is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. The, the, that is refer, referring to his true sons and daughters, huos sons, mature sons. And so um, the, that, that, may, that, that may still be, in, it's in the working out, it's in the process right now. And so that's what one of what my jobs is to encourage you into maturity, into, into walking on, into seeking out the right mentorship, discipleship, and to say if you're not being discipled, then, then well, actually, we need to disciple you better. We can do a lot better. Um, but you need to be discipled. We all need to be discipled. Amen? And so there's this, um, there's this, the importance of this father figure that really helps us. And I want to look at some of the characters, characteristics of a father. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 14. And it says there, Paul says, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Paul's saying here, I became your father. I became this spiritual dad to you. Amen. So I urge you to imi imitate me. And I want you to skip down to verse 21. 
which says, which do you choose? He's, he's speaking to the church at Corinth here, okay? Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? <laughs> which one would you choose? Love and <laughs> all day long, all day long, love and a gentle spirit. Now, some of us have been under the rod, the rod of correction um, in many forms, but how should I come? So, you know, this passage here says you'll have many instructors, but few fathers. Why? Why, why is that? Well, I want to look at this. I, I believe because a fatherly role is one that's very deep. It's, it's one of considered action because a father shows the way and then usually his sons and daughters will imitate him. Whether you, whether you model good behavior or bad behavior, they're brilliant mimics and imitators. And I'm sure that if, if you look at me, you'll say, oh, I can see a bit of your dad in you here or whatever, you know? And the same for all of us. And so we, did, we, 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 we imitate, amen? But because before we look at this verse, let's define the next verse. Let's look at what instructors or, or teachers are. Okay, so what's an instructor? Instructors are people in biblical context. They, were, they could have been a slave that was hired or paid to bring up the children, and um, they would tutor the children. Um, they would instill good morals in the children, that type of thing. Um, so maybe they weren't always strictly a teacher, but they were there to guide and to guard and to put stuff into the child. Now, what does a father do? Now, Father, I believe, does those things, okay? Now, we all say, uh, we all know the, the, is it the Latin word or the Greek word for Father is pater, 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 paternal, where the word paternal comes from. Um, and a father is a father, and, and, and it's a masculine noun. I want to point that out. It's a masculine noun, pater, mater being the other one. Um, a father is one who imparts life and is committed to it. So a father is not someone who brings about conception and then runs for the hills. A father doesn't abandon and, you know, after conception. A father brings about life and stays committed to that life. Amen? And I know there's so many of us in here that will be connecting with this today. Amen? And it's the same as our heavenly father. He gave us life. And, the th and here's the thing, he's committed to it. He began a new work in you. He gave you salvation, and he's committed to you. He's not going anywhere, he's not running away. He's not moving anywhere, amen? So he imparts this life, this born-again life to us. And through sanctification of ourselves, we become more and more like our Father, Amen? Who knows, it's, who knows that's the hard part? It's the sanctification part. It's the purifying part, the refining part that's the hard part. Amen? 
And so this, this, this um, verse in 1 Corinthians 4 where, it's, where Paul says, for I became your father, I became your father in Christ Jesus. In, a, in the Jewish culture, what this word really means is I authored your start, your Christian life. Now, God is the author and the finisher of our faith. But every one of, some of us may have had the, the author of our Christian life may be someone here on earth, someone who led us to Christ. Amen? Now, some people would, may have had that direct salvation experience, conversion experience, but he's talking this way about being the author of your Christian life. And, you know, he's in this place with these people here and in, that, in those days, if you took your neighbor's kids, all right, you're not kidnapping them now, but if you took your neighbor's kids and you were, and you were teaching them anything, it was as if they were your own begotten. That's how serious it is when you teach or when you put things into people. It's not taken lightly. It's like, oh, you want to teach my kids? Well, then you want to be responsible for them in 10 years' time as well, Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people want to teach, but they don't want to stick around for the responsibility of what their teaching produces. So we, we need to understand that. Paul is saying here, listen, um, if I teach my neighbor's son the law, then it's just as if I'm a father to him. Amen. It's, I have an intimate relationship, an intimate connection and so, who authored your Christian life? Was it a father or a mother in the faith, a friend, whoever it was? But I want to I look at some things that loving, godly fathers strive to do. And I'm going to leave the main one till the end. They constantly think on you. And like Paul was always thinking about the, the people that he'd been to, the places he's visited, always they constantly think on you. I want to say that, tell you this morning that God is all, you are always on God's mind. He is always thinking about you. Fathers grieve over the waywardness of their kids. And God is the same. Our Father God's the same. When we go off, off, off track, He wants us back. Amen. Fathers, real fathers are prepared to sit down and have the painful and difficult conversations necessary to correct their children. And, and I want to encourage fathers because I know what this feels like. Sometimes it's, we said this last week, you can be a, a peacekeeper or a peacemaker. And because you want to be the peacekeeper, oh, I can't take another day of this. You don't have the hard conversations. You, you sit down <laughs> You know, uh, this is just too, this is, you're doing my heating. You know, these, these type of things. But you, we have to be ready to do that. Fathers do not try and shame their children. And God will never bring shame upon you. Shame, shame, is, shame comes from inside. It's, it's we, 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 we can be shameful the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives brings that shame so we can deal with it, but, it's, we, but we need not be ashamed, all right? And also fathers will warn their children. 
So if you're there going the wrong way or if there's anything that's coming up that they need to say, I want to prepare you for this, they'll warn their children. We have the Holy Spirit for that. Fathers pour out their lives. Teachers just disseminate information. But fathers pour out their whole life. Amen? Teachers want to illuminate you, but fathers want to transform your life. You know? And there's so many of us that, I don't know, I've, I read about this in the 70s, particularly for those of us that lived in <laughs> then, well, I read stories anyway. You know, people were chasing after the, um, all sorts of people for illumination. They wanted enlight enlightened, you know? Teachers are looking for students, but fathers are looking for sons and daughters. Amen? And teachers are so proud of you when you do well at school, but fathers are proud when you do well in life. They want you to do well in life. And there's just this heart connection that fathers have that others don't have. So we, the word says we have few fathers. And the main one I left till the, uh, the end, fathers are prepared to sacrifice their very best. And that leads us into this the title of the message, and don't worry, it's not going to be long from here. It's, I should have said it at the start. Um, so the title of the message today is Fathers in the Faith. And we're just going to look at one father in the faith, Abraham. And he became the father of many nations because he sacrificed his natural outlook, what he could see around him, what he trusted in, everything that was real to him. He sacrificed all of that, gave it all up to believe on Jehovah God. That's what he did, amen? And God, God found a man, and isn't that, the word says, his eyes roamed to and fro throughout the earth looking for one person that would be faithful, that would answer the call. But he found this man in Abraham who was a man of faith and who was a man of obedience and who was ready to give everything up. Let's read this passage quickly. It's awesome. Genesis 22 from, from 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son. Take your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So the next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Three days, third day of the journey there, and they were just seeing where they were going. What, can you imagine what's going th through your, your mind for three days? What a, what a, what a test. Amen. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. <laughs> That's a, there's faith there somewhere. 
We're coming back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Here, you take the wood. You're going to be lying on top of it shortly. Wow. While he himself carried the fire and the knife, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abram and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. You know, the word doesn't say anything there that Isaac resisted even. Or I'm, I'm amazed. You know, Isaac, Isaac, I, I think, I don't know what to think, to be honest. I need, revel, I need people, tell me what you think. What did Isaac must have known his father? I know my dad. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to obey God no matter what happens. It, it'll all be okay. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And when did that angel speak? At the very moment, I believe, that he was ready to release. Man, you talk about 11th hour, 59th minute, 59th second. That's what that scenario was. He's ready to sacrifice his son. And the, the angel says, wait, stop. Stop. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Sounds a bit like John 3.16. Then he looked up, and we know the rest of the story. He seen a ram in a thicket. He went, and they got that. And they um, named that place Yahweh Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. And so, um, praise God for that. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abram from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. Please remember that because you're the seed of Abraham. And through your descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through your descendants, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you've obeyed me. Amen. So, wow. Would a godly man really sacrifice his very own son? Would he? In Hebrews 11, from verse 17, it says, it was by faith. And this series we're in just now is called Foundations of Faith. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Amen? Verse 19, Hebrews 11, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died... God would just bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So Abraham's there ready. And it's like, I know, Lord, that this is going to work out okay. 
And if, this, if I go through with this, you will raise him to life again. Amen? And through this act of obedience, Christ comes to earth. It's absolutely mind-boggling, this sacrifice. But in Jewish tradition, it's called the Akedah, the binding. And it's a binding agreement, a contract that God had with Abraham. That, that's a contract, but if you read that, that's like a contract. If you obey me, this is what I will do for you. Amen. You know, God didn't choose the Jewish nation to send his son Jesus into the world. He chose a man called Abraham. And it was through him that Jesus was born. Abraham was the man that God worked through. So the chosen person was Abraham. And then Israel became God's chosen people. But it started with Abraham. Amen. And, it, and so God only needed to find one person that would trust him to the point of giving up all that was precious to him so that God could give up all that was precious to him and send Jesus to earth. Amen. And so what, what a, a great thing to ponder and meditate on. Galatians 3.8, in the same way Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then, put your hands up if you're a child of it, yeah. The real children of Abraham, the real children of Abraham, where is my place? Hang on. Praise the Lord. My prompt is away. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in God. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So through, through this covenant, this Akida, Ab Abraham restored what Adam had lost. So everything was restored. Amen? We talk about Abraham as a true father in the faith. Amen? And it's good to pause and think about Isaac's place in it as well. But we think about Abraham. And I want, want to say this morning, if it may already have happened to you in some shape or form, but one day, every one of us, every Christian, you'll be asked for your Isaac. You'll be asked. You'll be asked for something. And when you're asked, what will your response be? Will you be ready to sacrifice You'll only, whatever your Isaac is, you'll only give that up when you've got nothing else to lose. So we don't know what that is, but I think about my life, think about my past as well, all the things that were precious to me. You know, all those precious things, they become binding in your life. Music um, could be food, fitness and sport, your vocation, could even be your ministry, your position, whatever you do, you, that, you know, whatever these things that are, are becoming constricting and binding in your life, those things are going to attract God's attention. So don't be surprised if he asks you for them. Some, he says, I can see where this is going. I can see what you have, and I'm going to ask for that. Isaac, I'm going to ask for it. 
And so we have to learn to walk past certain things and not stop and settle. There's lots of pots of gold in our Christian walk. It's like you walk this path and there's like pot of gold, pot of gold, pot of gold. And the, 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 da- the danger is I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna settle down here for a wee bit. I'm gonna nest. Scott, it, no, it's not for you. Walk on by, walk on. Don't stop and settle. The Lord your God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You don't need to stop for the gold, all right? And so you don't stop and settle. The Lord wants to make sure your heart love, your heart love. You know, um, love, 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 you ask people what they, how they define love, you're going to get a whole load of different ideas on what love is, you know? You know, I remember kind of what Charles and Diana, when someone, a reporter asked him on public television, and he says, oh, whatever love means, whatever love means, God's interested in heart love, real love that your heart manufactures for someone that is precious to you. And he wants to make sure that whatever your heart longs for, it doesn't exceed your longing for him. Amen. So I want to close with this and say, God's been good to us. God has been good to us. And as a church moving forward, and as we reach out, we speak to people and, you know, we consider ourselves blessed. But do not let the blessing of the Lord take the place of our Father God himself. We, you know, so we, we, we thank God for his blessings, but not, don't let his always have the correct perspective on God's goodness in your life. You know, he's, his goodness sustains us, moves us on so we can a- accomplish and a- achieve things for the kingdom. So, you know, and you'll move, from, you'll move from good to better to best if you keep on moving. So, yeah, don't get comfortable and that's not an arrogant thing to say, but, but God has things prepared for you, for those that love him. And I think he just needs once you to take one step at a time, one step of obedience at a time, and um, he will lead you the way a, a true father will lead you. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.